Welcome back. Time for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Grab your board. Let's swim out into that sea and uh, see if we can follow Matt Hines' lead as he uh, catches that uh, sales pipeline. How are we doing, Paul? <laughs> Struggling with my uh, system a little here today, so uh, I'm going to keep the banter to a minimum. That's my si- that's my struggle every day, and my <laughs> system, capital S. There's lots of systems, Paul, in the world. Always a struggle. Um, well, it is uh, the beginning of uh, calendar year Q3. For those of you that are on a uh, July to June, happy fiscal new year. Happy Q3 to those of you on a calendar year. My goodness, half of 2019 already in the books and hope everyone who is starting the month, the quarter or the year fresh is starting strong and has a good plan and ready to make adjustments as you go. Thanks very much for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. We are here every week live on the Funnel Media Radio Network at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Thank you for those of us joining us in the middle of your workday. Also excited to have those of you that are listening from the podcast. We are now over 100,000. Listeners, Paul, we continue to grow. It's it's amazing. Uh, love, love all the love we've been getting from the sales and marketing community. So thank you so much for listening. And every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio is always available past, present, and future at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in the sales and marketing world. Today is absolutely no different. I am really excited, Paul. I don't know if you knew this. We are ho- Today, it's 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 Heinz Marketing talking to Heinz Marketing. We haven't done this in a while. We usually have <laughs> external guests, but today, very excited to have with us Josh Baez. He's the client engagement manager for Heinz Marketing Inc. Josh, thank you very much for joining us. Really happy to be here. You say best and brightest, and then also there's me. So No, that's not I'm true. Here, that wouldn't be fair. So so Josh has been with us. Boy, how long have you been with us now, Josh? It's been like... Uh, coming up four in September. Holy crap. So Josh joined us and has been a rising star and one of the key members of our team for quite a while. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Josh on today, you know, you, if you followed Heinz Marketing and sort of check out our site, you notice we we publish a lot of research. Um, we do a lot of research on various topics in the sales and marketing world, and Josh and his team really have been driving a lot of that research and execution. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, you know the importance of research and commercial insights uh, in the market today. What some best practices and pitfalls are related to that? Because I think we see more and more companies that are thinking, okay, like if we're going to challenge the status quo of our prospects. Uh, we really got to think about like what that looks like. And yeah, you can find some good insights out in the market, but you might as well create some on your own as well. So Josh, you really, you really have driven a lot of the research we've been producing uh, over the last couple of years. So, you know, obviously thank you very much for that. Uh, <laughs> what are some things you've learned along the way about sort of, you know, creating research and the importance of commercial insights? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think like the cool thing about, commercial insights and research is that really, I think that anyone can do it. Like, I don't think that, that you necessarily need to have this, you know, team of analysts and data scientists and all of that, you know, just to essentially get research done. I think that all you need is a good hypothesis and the means to actually survey people. And I think that that's one of the really cool things about the research that we do, Matt, and, you know, we get to be able to work with all these different companies and learn you know, industry trends and see them firsthand, um, you know, to see how people in the market are doing. And I think that, you know, you get that extra validation from people um, either confirming a hypothesis or a messaging point. And, and from that, like it really, you can really build out an entire marketing program from one kind of research project. 
Well, I think, you know, back in the day, you know, when we were doing, we were saying, okay, we're creating a benchmark report or we're doing some research. I mean, we took it very, very seriously. You know, we would hire a formal <laughs> yeah. research firm and we'd spend a ton of money and there'd be focus groups involved. Um, I mean, you know, you, I think to your point, I mean, you could literally just create a, a survey and survey monkey, mail it out to a bunch of people in MailChimp, collate the data. And guess what? You got some research, right? And so I think, you know, it, it's just like a lot of content, you know, creating research has been a lot more accessible recently. But I know, you you know, with you and with our research partners, like we focus a lot on the integrity of the research. So even if we're going to do it without having to spend all the all the cost of traditional research, we still need to make sure we've got valid um, data. What are some keys that you found to make sure that you've got data with integrity and you've got data that can stand up on its own? Yeah, well, we uh, we've worked with uh, our guy Don Gregory for a really long time now. I want to say like longer than even I've been at the company. And I think that he's really taught me a lot about, you know, the different things that you need to consider when you conduct this kind of research. The first and, and probably most important thing is just making sure that you have enough of a data size to have significant data. And I'm no data scientist, so I'm probably butchering, you know, the, the keys that you need for data. But I think that, that to speak to, what that means in terms of data significance is you need to have enough of a sample size to be able to actually make calls and make conclusions about the data that you get back. Otherwise, you know, if you're surveying five people and two of those people say one thing and three of them say another, like that's not really significant. You can't really make a basis that an industry is moving a certain way based on a sample size of five people. But if you have a sample size of say 200 to 300 people, you know, you have a much better chance of having some kind of salience with, with the people that you're trying to message and having some kind of meaningful, meaningful size, you know, behind what you're actually talking about. So I think that having that significant data is, is really key for this. Another, like, second point is having a hypothesis, you know, one that you might have a hunch about, you might not necessarily know fully about, but at least to help guide that storyline and to help guide, you know, the kind of questions and answers that you want to uncover. Um, we've done a ton of research, you know, everything from buying committees to the generational differences between millennials um, and the rest of the buying committee, how the C-suite engages, you know, the buying decision, um, content trends, ABM, personalization, marketing automation, like you name it. And we've probably done a research report about it. And I think that the driving factor behind all of those research reports is that there was some kind of through line, you know, a very clear understanding of what we wanted this research to uncover. And I think that when you can, when you can really explicitly state what you want that um, through line to be, you'll be in a much better position to then write your questions and write your abstract. And, and the research report that comes out of it is, is it becomes much easier to, to write something like that. Yeah, that is such a, such an important point. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Josh Baez, one of our own. He's one of our client engagement managers and has been really, you know, spearheading a lot of the research you see coming out of our shop over the last year plus. You know, we're talking about sort of what it goes into creating good research, valid research that can stand up. We're talking about statistical significance. I love 
your point about the through line and having a sense up front about what you want to say. Um, the other pitfall that I often see people do is like say, well, we're just going to go ahead and write the survey ourselves. It couldn't be that hard, right? There really is a science to <laughs> writing a questionnaire, especially to make sure you're not leading the witness. So in, you know, back to the concept of creating research with integrity, making sure we're creating questions that are objective in nature. There's really a science to that. Talk a little bit about how important that is and, and what are some keys to getting that done? Yeah, I I think that the question writing is probably the most, I mean, it's obviously the most important part of, of doing any kind of research. The way that I've started to go about it, again, like Don Gregory is the guy who really kind of taught me how to write these kinds of questions. And I think that it's really just a matter of putting on your objective glasses and kind of like what you said, Matt, like you're not leading anyone toward the specific answer. So instead of asking someone like, do you think content is good to have? And then having them answer it that way, you would rather ask, like, how important do you believe content is? And so it's just those kind of tiny tweaks to the way that you write questions where instead of putting in, you know, a thought that might interfere with someone's original answer, you give them more of this objective, very cold, very unempathetic kind of approach to, to question writing. Well, you know, there's, um, you know, we've we've been told uh, that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and that actually it does not come from research. That comes from an advertising firm. There was an advertiser trying to create more demand for cereal, and went out and basically asked doctors. They says, "Do you believe people should eat breakfast?" And they, many, most of them said yes. And and then they asked the question, "Do you believe that breakfast is important?" Well, yes, of course. And so that's right. where you say four out of five doctors agree that breakfast is important. You know, so I think you can ask the wrong questions and obviously get to a place where you're sort of leading the witness. And I think, look, any good person looking at research should probably pay attention to where it comes from. How many people did it come from? What kind of questions were asked? And we've had the opportunity now to create research that is sort of benchmark year over year. And this is where it gets really interesting as well, where you can ask the same questions year over year and get a sense for how the market is is shifting. Talk a little bit about the advantage of creating that sort of annual opportunity to create an annuity and a benchmark and a history of data to just sort of amplify the impact of those commercial insights. Oh, yeah. I think that that's, that's probably one of the coolest things that you can do with research. You can how trends either increase, decrease, or stay the same year over year. Uh, we just did one with one company about, you know, marketing automation and how trends within that kind of ecosystem have changed or actually, like, stayed the same from last year. And I think it's really cool to see as needs continue to grow for marketing and as, as we as marketers continue to evolve our processes and as businesses start to experience more of this digital transformation in this age of new and improved technology. Like you get to see trends change much faster. And I think that having that background of how things were a year ago to how they are today, you can really um, explicitly communicate to your readers just how important um, a trend like this would be. Uh, you get to see things like you get to see things like the rate of change and, and how important it is for companies to be ahead of that curve. Otherwise, they risk you know falling behind. One thing that I thought was really interesting was we were looking at how people view content and content marketing and that content experience. And we saw that when surveying people between you know the importance of having content versus the actual effectiveness of their content, 
the gaps are just crazy wide. And we saw that technology specifically, that technology industry has the widest gap of all of the industries that we surveyed. And so I think that, you know, being able to see how these trends are changing, you know, not just in technology, but in, in everything, you know, you get to see how things change and how fast, you know, you really need to act in order to stay ahead of the curve and, and ahead of the competition. Well, there's, there's certainly a difference between sort of a single statistic, which can be valuable, and a trend, right? And when you can establish a trend line, you know, from a commercial insight standpoint, you, you, you can communicate that a market is changing. You know, one of, the, one of the best sales decks I've ever seen, instead of starting with the pitch, instead of starting with a demo, brought up an insight, showed a change to the market, and showed that the market was shifting over time. And it really pointed out that based on this shift, people that were in a steady state, people that were in a status quo moment, there were going to be winners and losers based on how you reacted to that change in the market, right? And this is a big part of where that commercial insight can can really become, become valuable. You mentioned through lines before and knowing what you want to get across. Talk about objectives. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, we think about research, you know, they think, okay, like, you know, they have a perspective in terms of sort of how they think they're going to use it. But talk a little bit about the process of identifying an objective and identifying that through line up front. Because, I mean, you mentioned how important writing the questionnaire is, and I totally agree with you. But knowing why you're doing something and what message you want to say, like almost writing the headline of a press release in advance, critically important. Talk a little bit about that process. Yeah, I mean, whenever I go into a survey project, and you know this, like, we typically have at least like the idea of what we want to talk about and whether that be content or videos or marketing automation, things like that. And I think that my first step is to always meet with, meet with the client and really understand, you know, what is it that you are really trying to uncover here? Like, are you trying to see importance of something? Are you trying to see the effectiveness or the gaps or are you trying to, are you trying to shift the industry to start thinking about a product differently than how they're thinking today? And, and in addition to that, like, you need to understand who your actual audience is. Like, do you want this research report to be for consultants? Do you want it to be for managers? Do you want it to be for directors or for the C-suite? Because the, whoever you decide to promote this research to, you need to make sure that the questions are questions that would be relevant to that kind of audience. Otherwise, you know, you, t you talk about revenue savings and you can talk about, you know, overall of, uh, effectiveness of something in terms of your pipeline. But if your report is meant for someone in operations, like they're not going to care about that, right? They're going to care about things like ease of, ease of use and things like what kinds of trends should I be looking for and new technology on the horizon. And so it's really a matter of aligning what it is, what your purpose is, like what do you ultimately want to communicate? and aligning that with who your target audience is and really kind of combining the two to find some kind of, you know, alignment between objectives and target audience. And then from there, you can start to build out, well, how do we actually want to get this done? I mean, it, it, yep. it's a pretty similar approach to how we, we kind of approach everything with, you know, objectives always come first. Absolutely. We're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Josh Baez. He's a client engagement manager right here at Heinz Marketing. we got to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be back. We've been talking about the creation of content. Now we're going to talk about the promotion of content. When you get it done, what do you do with it to get the most out of it and to have the best impact on your business? We'll be right back. How are successful B2B practitioners using ABM to drive more reliable revenue for their business? How are these modern marketers adopting new tactics, overcoming obstacles, and achieving their goals? 
Read the new research report from Flip My Funnel and Heinz Marketing on the 2018 state of account-based marketing and discover what's changed, what stayed the same, and where ABM is heading in the future. Visit HeinzMarketing.com's resource section. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com and the resource tab for your free copy today. All right, back with Matt and his guest. Matt and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Hey, we didn't really talk about the weather. You got any beach drizzle down there? This, uh, <laughs> yeah. is it, now that it's summer, is it finally gone? No, it was horrible this morning. It was all fogged in, and I wanted to just turn around and stick my head under the blanket. Walk back in my flip-flops and in, in my <laughs> nose. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> the beach drizzle will be back, I'm sure. Don't worry about it. It's nice um, now, though. It finally burned off. We just have to wait a few hours. You kind of have to pull the cover over your head and just regroup yeah. and wait for a couple well, hours. Our, our, our guest today is probably just fine with beach drizzle. Christmas is his favorite times of the year. I think the when the weather gets a little a little darker, a little colder, when it's sort of inside weather to huddle up and enjoy the holidays. Josh, am I talking your jam now? <laughs> I was about to say you're speaking my language, Matt. See, see what I'm saying? Uh, well, I mean, as we record this, I mean, it's the beginning of July. Looking outside, like it's it's overcast. It's going to rain. This is this is not the kind of summer weather that most of us signed up for here, even in Seattle. But uh, we've got a few more minutes here before we got to wrap up with Josh Baez. He's client engagement manager here at Heinz Marketing. We've been talking about best practices for creating and executing research to create some commercial insights to drive your business. And, you know, when you think about objectives up front of what story you want to tell, I think it's also important to think about, like, how you're going to communicate that. And a lot of times research is created by a marketing communication team and it might be published in a press release or maybe a blog post. But I think a lot of the work we've done has really been fronted not by marketing communications, but by the sales and marketing teams that are driving pipeline. And so, you know, creating something that people can register for, creating insights that the sales team can actively use upfront in outbound communication becomes a critical part of this. Talk a little bit about how you sort of create a strategy and a plan how research gets launched, but then also how it creates, you know, how you create a long tail of usage and impact for it as well. Oh, man. I think like research is really cool because it has such a long tail. I mean, you can use research for, for months and months after, after you conduct it. And that's, that's such a cool thing with this kind of content. And then from that research, like you basically have your own content strategy. Like the way that I typically like to write our research reports is, kind of similarly to how we go about the stages of the funnel. You know, I like to start out by uncovering the need of the, of the research. You know, you, you bring up the topic and then you, you kind of try and introduce different kind of problem areas. And then as you, as you go through the research report and as you read through it, you start to get more and more detail about, you know, more of the, the deeper level things. Like once you uncover the need, you start to get into more of those details that are far more specific to the topic. And I think that doing it that way, you basically have your own content plan laid out. Like you can use research to do everything from inform your messaging to inform the different kinds of sales outreach that you use. You can use it in presentation decks, in white papers, in blog posts, in tip sheets, and in infographics. There's quite honestly like an endless you know, resource of content that you can create using these kinds of research reports. Well, and there's a lot of channels, I think, usages that people just don't think about. I think when you've got 
kind of fresh research, when you've got new insights into the market, that is liquid gold for conferences that are looking for smart people to get up on stage. So when you can say, hey, we're just launching this new report, it's new insights that the market's going to need. It's a great way for you to get on, get your executives on stage. I know that we've also seen a lot of companies translate this directly into sales enablement materials that is not, not just sort of, you know, PDF summaries of the research, but like literal tactical, like talking points, email templates for sales teams to build some early pipeline interest among prospects. Talk a little bit about that process and what that looks like. Yeah, I think that what you need to do is just make sure that you're like kind of like what I said before, you need to ground whatever you're saying to the right audience. If you're doing a research report that's all for the C-suite, like that's quite honestly one of the best things that you can do and you can give to your sales team, especially, you know, as they start talking to people who are higher up in the organization, you can start talking to them about things like revenue and about things like performance and opportunities and, and, and all of that. And so like the way that we've typically done this is after we've written the research report, we'll go through and, and find the most relevant key findings or statistics that we can and then put them in the context of who would this be good for? Like, what do we want to communicate here? What kinds of offers could we kind of supplement this statistic with? Is there an offer that we have on hand that we could use as a way of kind of giving gravitas? to, to the statistic, or is there something that we could also just create for either sales or marketing that could help give more weight to the statistic and give more detail about it? A couple more minutes here, wrapping up with Josh Baez. He's a client engagement manager here at Heinz Marketing. We've been talking about research. And I want to pivot just a little bit, Josh. I mean, it's been it's been really exciting to watch your growth here in the organization. And um, just curious, as you as you sort of you know really continue to sort of grow in your skills and career, as you kind of even look a little bit back at some people that maybe just graduating and getting out of school. We you know we regularly have interns here at Heinz Marketing. What's what's some advice you'd give to people early in their career that they should be focused on, they should be seeking to really sort of not just set themselves up for future growth, but also just to enjoy what they're doing? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I think I would put it into two categories, context being the first one, and then mm -hmm. curiosity being the second one. Context insofar as you're starting your career, and even for those who are in their careers now, like I think that we assume that everyone in the room knows exactly what we're talking about, and it's always on the same page. But I think that what we've kind of learned and what a lot of people probably know is that's rarely the case. Mm -hmm. And so having that kind of context that can help support and give everyone who's in the room, you know, put them all on the same playing field. It's a really important skill to be able to have for people. It helps make sure that everyone's on the same page and it helps shape and frame the conversation in a way that lets you kind of dictate what people think about and how they think about it. The second part being around curiosity. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really centered around, you know, you. no one in their career should ever be at a point where they stop learning. I think that education and continuing that kind of education is really important, especially after you've kind of landed your even your dream job. Like there's always something more to learn. And I think that everyone you talk to will always have something new to teach you, no matter who they are or no matter where they come from. Like, you never know everything. And that's something that's really cool about doing these kinds of research projects is that you get to have both the context foundation of the research as well as the curiosity to actually feel the research to kind of elevate you in your career and, and to make you just a better all-around business professional and, and 
just person because of it. This has been fun, Josh. You did great. <laughs> Much better than the first time, I think. Uh, you know what? You know, we have on our blog now, you know, thousands of blog posts and I write less frequently now because a lot of the team writes most of the blog posts now so we can get diversity of voices. But I mean, you go the first couple thousand, at least it was only my voice. And if you look at the <laughs> stuff that I wrote uh, when I first started blogging 12, 13 years ago, I cringe. I cringe at the approach. I cringe at the <laughs> writing. So ho- hopefully we are all getting better every time. But I want to thank you, Josh, for joining us today. Should have done this a long time ago. We had a last-minute cancellation. You were good enough to join us here today. But I think this topic was phenomenal. There's a lot more we could talk about it. But just thank you so so much for all you've done for us with this research. And thanks for joining us today. We will have a replay of this episode up on salespipelineradio.com. We will have a summary of this conversation up at HeinzMarketing.com here in a little bit. If you are thinking about doing some research, know people that would, please share these insights. Uh, Josh is the master and some really, really good tips here today. We are out of time. We will be here next week again at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern for another episode. But for today, and on behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. 